Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are very welcome back to the Mind Poppers podcast, a weekly exploration of just how much one man can smoke, drink and masturbate his way through a lockdown. (laughs) Oh my God, my God. I won't dwell on the lockdown. You know, that's not what I do here. But I do have to say in regards to this lockdown, because you, as you guys know, if you've been listening from the beginning, this really is my first lockdown because I worked in through the entirety of the last lockdown in fact when when the country went on lockdown i actually had gotten busier in work now that i am out of the job and experiencing lockdown for the first time i get it you guys i i truly get it i understand just how maddening it can be to the point of just a complete mental break i get it I get it now, okay? Because I am lying in that bed. Like I said, how much can a man smoke, drink, eat, pleasure himself? I am on that bed, panned out like a fucking raisin, okay? (laughs) It's tough. It really and truly is tough. Now, any updates about me since the last time, since the last episode, um, last Wednesday... Um, if you were following me over on Instagram at Adam Riley O, I will leave that down in the bottom. But anyway, if you're following me over on Instagram, you will or you should have seen the news, my big news that I have officially become a lord. Yes, I have officially. How did you become a lord, Adam? Well, I will tell you. Basically, there was this thing going on where it was like a collaborative effort to like protect the ecosystem and wildlife in the Scottish countryside. So there was this thing going on where people would actually pay and buy land over there and buy up plots of land in the same area so that, you know, people, you know, in the future, it would prevent human development on that land and the disruption of the environment and the animals, um, you know, for whatever they're going to put in there at Tesco Express. I don't know. Um, but now since I bought, I, I, <laughs> I currently occupy one square foot of Scotland. <laughs> um, so now no one can build, you know, on my plot of land, you know. So, and I did that for the animals. But, you know, at the same time, any possible investors listening to this, write me a check. Write me a check. It could be fuck them animals yet. <laughs> but no, but, but under the law, you know, under the eyes of the law. Yes, I now do hold a title as a lord, you know, and that is official. You can check the cert, you know, and what what does that mean? It means that on my legal documents that I can now, you know, be referred to as lord, you know. So if, if AIB, if the bank is writing me a letter, you know, sending me out a statement, if I want, you know, I can get onto them and from now on they will address it as Lord Adam O'Reilly. And then I would say, IAB, take your fucking bank statement back. That is no way to address a lord, you know? So it's just big things happening right now. Like me, who would have thought it? You know, I never would have thought, like, when I was growing up, that one day I would go on to become a lord. First lord of the family. (laughs) Oh my God, it's so fucking pathetic. I don't even have a job. (laughs) But again... Being a lord, really, is the job in itself, isn't it? And like I said over on Instagram, you know, if any of you uh, guys are listening to this podcast who are outside of Ireland, and I actually know for a fact that there are many of you outside of the country listening to this podcast, there are actually 63 other countries, you know, so far who are tuning into Mind Poppers every week. But for those of you who don't know, you know, the British Empire, I'm sure you're familiar with them. They've probably occupied a lot of your land throughout the ages. 
well, you know, we still got a thing going on where they are still, you know, in control of a couple of our counties up the north of Ireland, you know? So what I did was, while you lazy schmucks were schmucking it about, I took the battle, you know, to them, you know? Well, you know, any of you, I mean, what have you guys been doing for your country, you know? Smells like sweet fuck all is what you've been doing. Um... But like I said, I took the battle to the British Empire and I now occupy Scotland, you know, or at least a square foot of it. But still, you know, what have you guys done? And I know you're probably wondering, well, Adam, how does this change things? You know, now that you are a lord, how do we address you? You know, Um, well, look, the thing is, right, you know me, humble, down to earth, just because I am a lord now. You know, does that mean that I am better than you, dear listeners? You know, maybe to some people, but, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to judge whether you were a lord, a lady, or a plain old peasant. You know, there is room for everybody here. But, you know, even a lord has a tough time going through this lockdown. And I know you guys have already lived through this. I know you guys have lived through the lockdown. A lot of you weren't working you know and and you were stuck at home and couldn't move and you know I know a lot of you people you know don't work full stop and I respect that absolutely <laughs> um but now you're also in a position where you can't even really leave the house that much you can't have people over and all that so I get it we're all struggling it's very overwhelming and I you know just find god because of, ooh, because I'm having such little human interaction myself the only people I'm interacting with are the people at home so, like, I do find myself, you, you know, when, when you get to that kind of point where you're so void of human interaction that even, like, when you're just going about the house, like, even starting a fight is something, something to stimulate you, you know? Like, I went into the kitchen there a while ago, I was just, like, going through the shelves, going through the drawers or whatever, you know, I knew there was nothing there, but, but alas, I will search, you know? Um, and I wasn't even hungry, I was fucking bored. Do you know, when you just kind of do that kind of eating thing where you're like, you're not hungry at all. You're actually full to the brim, but you're going to eat because like, what else is there to do? Look at the ceiling. And I was rooting through the thing anyway. I think I made myself like a peanut butter sandwich or something like that and a glass of milk. So I was like taking it from the kitchen at the plate and I was like walking towards the hallway. Um, And I, I thought I heard something. Oh, sorry, my phone is still on. I was actually, I was literally in the middle of sexting someone and I wanted to see if we were going to be compatible. But... And I heard like a, like a mumble and I like turned back my head over my shoulder, uh, like my mom was standing there and I was like, what? And she was like, nothing, I didn't say something. And I was like, fucking right, you didn't say anything. You know, when you're just looking for a fight, you know, when you're just looking for a fight. And then like went back and like came back about like five minutes later, like popped my head in the door. I was like, are you sure you didn't say anything? You, you didn't say me anything at all? Because <laughs> you just want that bit of interaction, don't you? And even if that's fighting, you know, it's what you're going to do. You know, if we have to throw hands in this house, we're going to fucking throw hands. Even the other day, my mom would come home from the shop and she was like, <clears throat> she was like, there's a doll which I guess is some sort of Indian dish involving lentils and chickpeas. She's like, there's a doll um, in the fridge for ya. And she was like, do that now. Heat that up for yourself. It's going to be beautiful. And I'm like, I'm starving now. So is this doll, you know, going to do the job? Because if not, I can get an Apache. You know, I can get a Just Eat. You know, I am unemployed, but I'm not broke, broke just yet. And she was like, no, it will fill ya. It will stuff it, whatever. So she left and I threw the doll on anyway. The doll. Um... <clears throat> I took it out of the oven and like put it into a bowl or, or sorry, I took it off the pan, put it into a bowl or whatever. You should have seen, you guys, the fucking size of this doll, you know? It wasn't going, it wasn't enough to choke a fucking mouse the size of this fucking doll. It was ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. I honestly thought I was being punked or this was, this was some sort of attack on me from my mother. Like, was she calling me fat? Was she trying to starve me? Was she trying to push me to move out with this little scrap of doll? You know, as in there is no reason for this doll to ever even leave India because it was it was a timbleful. You know, I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, it's not even going to wet my fucking palate. You know, why insult me with this fucking fun size Barbie dream house size fucking doll? You know, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? Um, so I was starving, you know, and the hunger, and you pair that with the rage, the lockdown rage. <laughs> Things have been so fucking tense in this house, um, and I'm sure it's the same for you guys in a lot of houses. Um, 
But there is going to be a brawl. There is going to be a fucking brawl. And on top of that, like I said, it was like in the middle of sexting. I was like, I'm literally sexting right now as I'm speaking, you know? Because I've gotten to that point where I can type on a keyboard and not actually have to look at the keyboard. It's scary. It's scary how much that I'm like attached to the phone, you know? But I'm aware of that. And it is something that I'm trying to make a conscious effort to get it out of my life, you know, to really reduce the amount of screen time. And it's not going well whatsoever. But I was, you know, in dirty talking, you know, just something that is also frustrating me is this whole thing when someone is like, oh, what are you into? And all that, you know, they're like, what are you into? You know, and it's kind of like, you know, when you're in a position where you're like, right, well, do I tell this person what I'm really into? Or am I just going to say, well, I like kissing and I like holding hands and watching movies and cuddling, you know, because I can give them the Disney version, you know, I can give them that, you know, but it's not necessarily the truth. And, you know, the My Powers podcast is about exploring the truth, you know, that is literally what we do here. Um, But at the same time, you know, it's very, you know, overwhelming and possibly off-putting if I text back, you know, a person you know, I'm going to be like, and if they're asking me to dirty talk, and I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to work this, you know, this is, oh, this is, oh, man, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to piss in your face, and I'm going to fart in your mouth, and I'm going to shit on these walls, you know, a lot of people, you know, they want dirty talk, but, but when it comes to it, they can't handle dirty talk, you know, and they're like, what are you into, what are you into, and I'm like, oh, I don't know, fucking smack me about the kitchen, you know, motherfucker. <laughs> Make me feel something. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, a woman tagged me on Instagram today. And she's a fan of the podcast. Uh, she... <laughs> She was, sorry, I'm so lightheaded because I haven't eaten anything all day except for that fucking doll. <laughs> no, but um, a woman tagged me on Instagram earlier and she was basically saying that um, she was driving in the car, right? And she was listening to Mind Poppers. She was listening to last week's episode while we did, which was the spooky sex stories. <clears throat> and she was listening to last week's episode in the car, you know, so I guess through the car speakers or whatever. Um, and she said she was driving and she actually had to pull in um, she had to pull in off the road because she was laughing so much and she had tears in her eyes and that she started losing visibility of the road so I'm like oh my god imagine because I I know that a lot of people do listen to the podcast while driving Um, I'm, (laughs) I'm like oh my god I'm like imagine if like I start racking up some deaths you know like if there's a couple of wrecks you know, and the commonality between all these accidents is they all have mom poppers playing in the car, you know, and also not only that, but imagine when you get found in that wreck, God forbid, knock on wood, you know, safe travels to you all. But imagine that time when one of us does get like happens to get pulled from the car and this podcast is playing, you know, in the background as they're cutting a bitch out of a car. You know, you're going to lose all credibility. They're going to be like, what kind of fucking freak is this? Because you know the kind of shit that we talk about here, you know. It's not, you know, really palatable for the average person. <clears throat> it takes a special kind of person, you know, for what we're all about here. Um, so, And imagine it. God, imagine, you know, the poor people, you know, when your family comes, takes you out of that car... And there's me telling a story, you know, the ghost of, or the Chris, or was it the ghost of Buttplug, what was the last story that we did? The ghost of Buttplug's past, you know? Imagine that plane where you're getting cut out of a car. They'll fucking leave you in there. But anyway, what I want to do for today's episode, right? Because like I said on last week's episode, I'm obsessed with 60 Days, 60 days in this documentary series, you know, going in looking at prison system and what it's like being a prisoner so for what I want to um look at in today's episode of the podcast is I want to take a more solemn look at what life is like for a death row inmate also before we move on it is important to note in other news in terms of space look up there um they have found water on the moon okay 
um, using this, I guess, the Sophia telescope or whatever. Um, I'm not sure exactly what instrument it is to be exact. I know some form of telescope that goes by the name Sophia, but NASA have announced that they have found water on the moon. So the projection for this, you know, could be that when, you know, we are on the moon that we'll be able to utilize that water and break it down, you know, into oxygen, you know, which, you know, obviously for breathing, oxygen is a very expensive commodity in space, but also to treat it, to make it drinkable water, and then using the hydrogen and the oxygen, I guess, to make some sort of rocket fuel propellant, you know? So that's exciting. A lot of big, th- big day for the moon. Um, and also what I wanted to ask you guys is, are you guys... How rigid are you being with this lockdown? Honestly, truthfully, are you guys still meeting up for booty calls? And I know a lot of you are. I know a lot of you are. I know a lot of you are certainly getting, or just laying stank down during this lockdown. Now for me, it was like, I did manage to pencil in one booty call um, about four days before this lockdown, you know? And I, and I know in this current climate, we're not supposed to be doing booty calls, you know? Um, but excuse me for having fucking needs, okay? Um, and a lot of you are fine, because a lot of you are living, like, with a partner. So, I mean, you've nothing to do. You're just, you know, jumping like bunnies all day and good for you. Some of us, it's not the case. You know, we're going to jump out and catch what we can catch, you know? So if a booty call happened to come my way, then I'm going to be there to receive it, you know, with open arms and open legs, um, and an open heart. Um... No, I haven't in saying that had any booty calls since the official lockdown took place, you know, Wednesday at midnight, I have been clean. Um, will I partake in a possible booty call throughout lockdown? I mean, I don't know. You know, are you going to sit there and tell me that I cannot, that it is forbidden, that it is against the law? Because um, that sounds real fucking hot to me. You know, but then again, I will even say that when I when I had that other booty call, you know, bef- just before the lockdown, there's like this thing. It's bad enough, like I said, about like, you know, when you orgasm and you have like this old Ireland Catholic guilt, you know, this like shame. You know, it's like God and the angels want to bring you back down to humble you after you orgasm. Um, but I kind of had that kind of by two because I also had like a COVID guilt, you know. I felt like Simon Harris was shunning me, you know, after I orgasmed after that booty call as well. Um, so I just don't know. Um, I don't know what the future holds for me in terms of booty calls during the lockdown. I know, you know, in terms of the virus, it's not a good idea. But then again, another, you know, question is, are you allowed to fuck your bubble buddy? You know, are you allowed to fuck your bubble buddy? Are you guys fucking your bubble buddies? Um, I sure am. (laughs) Um, and one more thing, okay, before we get into this episode, because it's just, it's been a busy week, you know, I've had no one to talk to, um, taxes, I went on, you guys, and looked at how my, my year, uh, my year review for my tax that I paid last year in 2019, oh my fucking god, it was scandalous, it was sickening, it was truly sick. like, 
I'm not paying for tax. I'm not paying to see records 30 years from now. You know, I paid such an immoral amount of money last year that I should be paying for a service where I get to see my fucking records in a timely fashion. Not 30 years down the line. It is fucking sickening. So now I'm signing up for this the pop payment, this this COVID payment or whatever. And I guess there's a whole lot of uncertainty around who is available, you know, who's eligible for this for this COVID payment and who isn't, you know, and it's not really that, you know, well established about who isn't who isn't entitled <clears throat> on the website. So, you know, I signed up for it and, you know, I'm under review. So I guess they'll tell me if I'm, you know, applicable or not. But then, like, it does say on the website that if you're not applicable, but you still claim that, you know, a couple of weeks down the line, you know, the government can turn around and prosecute you and, um, you know, get you to repay, to repay, you know, I guess the money that they paid out throughout this COVID payment. And my whole issue is, right, if I get dragged into some courtroom you know if I have to go before the high court after this country opens up right and I'm standing in that courtroom and if one motherfucker in that courtroom says the word taxes breathes it thinks it in their head I will lose my shit I will lose my fucking shit in that courtroom someone mentions taxes I'm going to mouth off you know I'm going to sass the judge so I have a feeling that I have just like paranoia the judge is going to turn around and be like, all right, we're going to make an example out of you, you know, sass mouth, um, three months in jail, you know? So I have this fear that, you know, once we come out of this lockdown, I could be going to fucking jail, you know? Which fits in nicely with what, what I want to talk about today, which is the whole prospect of jail and, more importantly, the death row experience, you know? Because in my head, right... I get along just fine. Nine out of ten, like, fantastical situations that I imagine in my head. Guys, I'm doing fucking amazing in jail. Jail really is working out for me. Like, I walk in there, you know, I'm nice, I'm personable, you know, I'm funny, you know. I I know how to make somebody laugh. So, in, you know, every scenario I play out in my head, you know, my roomies, my bunk mates, they all, like, take me under their wing. You know, because they're like, oh, this kid is cool, he's funny, he's chill. So I'm just one of the guys in there, you know. Um, But then again, I don't know. I don't know, is prison going to be as pleasant as I think it will be? And I'm not saying, look, I, I know it's not going to be a holiday. But, you know, you know, I befriend, obviously, the toughest gang in there. You know, they like my um, chutzpah, if you will, if you want to get a little German on it. Um... And I have a good repertoire with my bunkmates. I probably won't say repertoire in prison because I will die. <laughs> and we laugh and we laugh. And they have my back, you know, for any fight that we get into. They're going to have my back. So I don't have to worry about anything. Will there be romance in jail? I don't know. I mean, look, I don't know. I don't know. You know, could I possibly like melt like the icy heart of some gangster in there. I mean, stranger things have happened. You can <laughs> really, really and truly, I do feel like I'm going on fucking, like a holiday if I end up going to jail. Um, but anyway, to begin our look as a, as a death row inmate, what I want to do, of course, is take a quiz. I want to take a quiz to see what would be the crime that I would commit to get me in jail in the first place if it doesn't turn out to be benefit fraud. So the quiz starts out with What would your dream vacation be? New York City, a cruise, backpacking across Europe or a small town in the south of France. I'm going to say New York City. Pick my favourite colour. Scarlet, white, blue, black, black. If you could time travel, where would you go? Who cares as long as I bring my friends with me? The past, the present or the future. I'm all about the future. Pick a hobby, a group project like writing a movie where you're in charge. (laughs) Public speaking or acting, bungee jumping or skydiving, painting or writing. I would say a group project like writing a movie. Which of these sounds most like you? I work alone, thank you very much. I can't stand when other people tell me what to do. I give the orders. I have no trouble at all convincing others to do what I want. I go with the flow. Mm, I would say... I have no trouble at all convincing others to do what I want. 
Describe your favourite movie, an animated movie, a comedy, an artsy, deep, award-winning film, an action movie. Mm, I'll say an artsy, deep, but you know I just have many levels to me. What kind of pet would you like to have? How does any of this in the name of fuck relate to what kind of criminal I'm going to be? I'm shocked. I don't know what these answers are going to be. What kind of pet would you like to have? A cat, a dog, a bird or a fucking fish? A dog. And who is your role model? A co-worker, a significant other, a famous person, a family member. None of those motherfuckers. None of those motherfuckers. Um, I will say a significant other because I don't got one. Um, it's calculating what kind of criminal that I'm going to be. You got white collar. Oh, white collar crime really is the crime. It's the crime of fucking nerds, isn't it? You go into jail and no, I'm telling you, no one respects a white collar fucking criminal. You're pretty sharp and good with numbers too. I'm not. You enjoy dressing nicely. I am literally wearing the same jocks from two days ago with a big hole around the asshole. If you must know, I'm not showering during lockdown. And probably enjoying the finer things in life. You could have been a good salesperson too. People like listening to you talk. Okay, maybe they're onto something. You're charming. Okay, well, you know, maybe I maybe I spoke too soon. If you'd had the chance, you could have lasted for years with some financial scheme. And no one would have been the wiser. Um, again, look, possibly sure. Have I committed some kind of white collar crimes in the past? Probably. You know, probably. Like, for an example, like, you know, when when you were back in school and there was all these committees and I was a part of the Debs committee and I was a part of this thing called the Metal Team. But the Metal Team was basically where fifth years would kind of set up events, school tours, discos for the, the new coming, the first years. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't really regard this as a crime, you know. But, like, say, for example, for the Debs, you know, and say I've done it all for like the meal, the transport and the ticket for the entry to the to the hotel. And say if that in total came to 50 euro, we'll say for a ticket. Well, then me on the Debs committee, you know, is going to raise the price of the ticket to 60 euro, you know. So each student is paying maybe an extra tenner um, so that, you know, I will ensure that the Debs committee, you know, will have a couple of drinks paid for them, you know? Yeah, and in the same way, like when I was on the metal team, and like, you know, maybe at times I charged these kids a little extra, you know, so that by the end of the year, I'd have enough money in the kitty to pay, you know, for myself and the rest of the metal team to go out for a meal and drinks, you know, on the kids' dime. But I don't really regard that as a crime as such, you know, white collar crime. I don't really regard it as that. I think it's about knowing your fucking worth, you know? I don't work for fucking free, you know? (laughs) I did not rob those fucking kids. (laughs) Oh God, maybe. (laughs) Maybe I have committed white collar crime. (laughs) So, again... I'm not really into white collar crime. It's not really my thing. I'd actually be mortified going into jail, being like, it's actually white collar crime. You know, I would have my ass handed to me. Um, so what I want to do is take another quiz, right? Which, which will basically, I guess, give me some sort of summary or estimation on how I would actually cope in jail. And here we go. Would I survive prison? Have you ever been inside even overnight? No, I've actually, I have never been arrested. I have never been detained. I have, first side of the law, I run. I run the opposite way. I want the least I can have to do with the law, the better. So no. Is your country known for harsh penalties and or brutal prison conditions? I mean, hello, yes, it is. If there's anything we have seen you know, from all these documentaries and just from looking at our own prison system in Ireland, the system is broken. You're putting people in these conditions, you know, in these horrible conditions and they go mad and they come out worse than they were going in. You know, prison should be about rehabilitation, should be about, you know, helping these people, you know, providing them with what they need. If it's, you know, in terms of mental health, if it's in terms of just giving them the tools to cope, whatever. 
But no, you lock them in a box and then open up that box a couple of years later. You know, that's why, like, it's it's shit. You know, you need to be helping people, you know, regardless of their crimes. These people need to be helped. Um, but <sighs> is your country known for harsh penalties and brutal prison conditions? Medieval for sure. Harsh sentences and bad conditions are the norm. Our system is strict but fair. Not at all. Um, harsh sentences and bad conditions are the norm. For sure. Does your country have the death penalty? No. Are you able to defend yourself? Yes. I can take care of myself. Not many people mess with me. I can fight but only if I have no choice. I'm not a fighter at all. I prefer to reason with people. I'm not a fighter. I'm not... I'm not a fighter, you know? Like, I've only ever been in, in a handful of fights, all right? One of them was I sprained some guy's arm because I threw a rock at my dog. The other was some guy was causing trouble in my grandmother's neighborhood, so I cartwheeled on him. Yes, cartwheeled on him. I was just coming off the thrill of watching Charlie's Angels full throttle for the first time, you know? So I was feeling it. I was going around that green like Lucy fucking Lou. Um... So I'd say I'm not a fighter at all. I prefer to reason with people. What is your physical size? Um, small, average, large, enormous. Um, I want to say average. I would say average. Are you in shape? I am very fit and muscular. I am in good shape. I am average. I am in poor shape. Again, I'm going to be very generous and say I'm in average shape. Are you shy? Extremely shy and withdrawn. I am quiet, but I can voice my opinion when needed. I am not shy, but I'm also not a loud mouth. I have been told I have a boisterous personality. Um, I mean, look, under certain circumstances, yes, for sure, I'm shy. But I do have a mouth on me. You know, I got one hell of a mouth on me. So I will say, I have been told I have a boisterous personality. You've been sentenced to five years in federal prison. How scared of you on a scale of one to five? Five, I am none with fear. Four, I fear for my life. I'm just not meant to handle prison. Three, it's on my mind constantly, but it is what it is. Two, I think I should be able to handle it. I can take care of myself. One, I'm not worried. It might be a good break. Um, I'm definitely numb with the fucking fear. I'm definitely numb with the fucking fear. You're in prison. Someone takes an item off your tray while you're sitting down to eat. What do you do? Stand up. Tell them to put it back. Don't take no for an answer. Be prepared to fight if necessary. Lunge at the person and beat them to the floor. Give them a dirty look. Do nothing. Stare at your food and make no eye contact. I'm probably not going to get up and fight. I'm probably not going to do that. But at the same time, I'm not going to be able to, you know, to hold myself back from giving one of these inmates some stank eye. You know, you just took, you know, whatever, the doll, the fucking doll right off my tray. You're going to get some fucking stank eye, you know. Is it okay to accept things from fellow inmates? That could be anything from smokes to a chocolate bar. No, never a good idea. Politely refuse. Depends on the situation, who is offering and what the item is. Sure, I'll take anything for free. Sure, I will take anything for fucking free. If someone comes into my cell in the middle of the night and offers me a fucking crack rock, you better believe I'm going fucking smoke that crack rock. You know, Mount Joy is going to be full to the fucking gills of crack rock smoke. You know, if I have my way, if it's free, I'm going to take it. Absolutely. You know, what else am I going to be doing in prison? So sure, I'll take anything for free. Someone assaults you because they don't like the way you look. Do you fight back even if you know you lose? Take the beating, hope they'll go away. Try talk your way out of it. Take your beating and report them to the guards. One, you can beat my ass in prison all you want, but I'm never going to go to the fucking guards. Okay, I'm not a fucking narc. I'm not a fucking rat. I've seen enough shit to know what happens to snitches. And you know what they get? Stitches. So I'm not going to be a fucking narc. Um... I'm going to try and talk my way out of it, you know, because I have literally done that situation many times, many a situation where I've nearly had my ass handed to me. And because I'm, you know, good with people and good with words, um, you know, I've managed to get out of it every time. So I would try and talk my way out of it. You're sitting in the exercise yard and you notice someone staring at you from across the yard. Do you stare back and see who blinks first? Go over and ask if you can help them. Start talking to someone else, ignoring the person staring at you, or stare at the ground and try to ignore it. Um, if someone is like, it depends, you know, it depends what they look like, you know? <laughs> like, it depends. Like, if some crackhead, you know, like crazy eyes is staring across from me, you best believe I'm going to veer the other way. You know, I'm going to be looking at anything else. 
But like if some hottie, you know, is staring across from me, the person you are, you know, giving me them eyes, you know, when they give me that look, then, you know, maybe I'm going to look back, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm going to give a little stank eye, you know. Uh, so, yeah, um, I would stare back and see who blinks first. I think that's quite erotic. You discover one of the guards is an acquaintance you haven't seen in 20 years. What you do? Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm not being the inmate that has the fucking friend guard. No, not happening. Not at all. If any of you listeners who happen to be guards or find yourself working within the prison system um, and listening to this and you see me in jail in the coming years, we ain't friends on the inside, okay? Or at least do not make that known. You know, I cannot be friends with some pig while I'm locked up. It's just not going to work. So do I go over and start a friendly conversation? Say hi to him when you pass by. Pretend you don't know him and treat him like any other guy. I am am ghosting that ass. Your cellmate is making homemade booze. It will mean the hole for both of you. (laughs) I guess the hole is like um, whatever um, Matilda, whatever used to get thrown into the chokey. Um, it means the hold for both of us if we get caught what you do explain that you that you want nothing to do with it but assure them their secret is safe remind them of the consequences and try to get them to reconsider help him out and share the profits Re- report them to the guards obviously I'm not going to report anyone to the fucking guards like I said I'm not a narc if someone is in my cell and they're brewing some homemade hooch and I'm up in the joy for like six months like like I, I'm getting high I'm getting drunk in any opportunity possible you know just because I'm in prison, like already my rights, you know, have been stripped from me. So what kind of person isn't, you know, smoking crack or drinking toilet hooch? I'm all about it. I'm absolutely, oh my God, throwing a fucking lime wedge. I don't care if it's 50% pits, you know, I'm going to drink it. Um, so 100% um, help him out and share the profits. How do you plan on spending your time? Proclaiming my innocence to anyone who will listen. Crying in my cell. Doing what I am told and nothing more. Volunteering for work detail. In the kitchen, laundry, library, etc. Am I going to be crying in my cell? Absolutely. I mean, I do that in my bedroom. Um, Doing what I am told and nothing more. I mean, this sounds kind of hot, doesn't it? You know, that does kind of say, I'm going to, oh my God, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Um, God, I could do a lot of things. I won't be proclaiming my innocence, you know? Um, I'm not, you know, I'm, if I'm going to be in there, I'm going to be bad. You know, I'm like, yeah, I did that shit. <laughs> um, volunteering for work detail. Um, I'm going to volunteer for work detail for sure. You know, I want in the kitchen. I want in the laundry. I want in the library. Would you survive prison? Here we go. Your personality is not cut out for prison life and you may have a tough go of it. You were going to learn lessons the hard way, but you show signs of being able to adapt to this harsh environment. Okay, 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 just what I thought. You'll have to toughen up fast or run the risk of being a target for the remainder of your stay. I will have to toughen up. Absolutely. I'm going to have to learn how to throw some hands. And, you know, will the inmates respect me more knowing that I hold the title as Lord, you know? Will I have to go in first day and Lord slap a bitch in her fucking teeth just to show them what's what? Maybe, maybe, good point. But God, between the white collar crime and this, these test results, it's not really looking all that positive for me, is it? Let's get ourselves in the mind frame of somebody facing the death penalty. Someone who has been told that they're on death row and you know their life will be taken from them as punishment for their crimes you know so of course for our case studies we look at the united states okay because that is where the issue is with the death penalty and there's currently around three thousand people awaiting the death penalty um or who, who are on death row and the death penalty is legal in 31 states and is also utilized then in the u.s military and by the government um Obviously, the most common spread of or the common use of um, execution currently in the Western world in the United States is, of course, lethal injection. Um, But it is not that is not lethal injection alone. There are actually plenty of ways to die if you're on death row. Um, For example, death row prisoners in Mississippi, Utah and Oklahoma could face death by firing squad. 
uh, New Hampshire, Delaware and Washington inmates have the possibility of death by hanging. So, and I think the most recent um, like hanging was actually, a, it was a requested hanging um, by William Bailey in 1996. Um, but the other potential execution methods include electrocution, like BAM electric chair and the gas chamber. And even reading those out, the death penalty, it doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't sit right with my spirit. Reading out electrocution, firing squad, hanging gas chambers and all that. It's at what point do you decide to take a human life as punishment? For absolutely horrible crimes, I'm at, you can be sure of that, you know. But at the same time, at what part do you lose some of your humanity by condemning someone else to death like this, you know? Like, I don't see it as a, as a win for anybody if someone ends up, you know, being executed on death row. That doesn't seem like a win for me, a win for society. It doesn't, you know, no matter the crime, you know. Again, it's more of a focus on locking people away and exterminating people rather than a look at rehabilitation, you know. And of course, what we should be looking at is rehabilitation. It just makes more sense in the long run. Um... And you know what, it's, it's actually crazy because not only that, okay, the thought of knowing that you're going to, to die, to be executed when you're on death row. But the thing is, you're not sure, you're not given an exact date when you're going to die, when you're going to, you know, what day is going to be your last. You don't know a lot of times for, for death row inmates when the last time you're going to go to sleep is, you know? Um... And they all always find themselves waiting ridiculously long times for execution. So the average time over in the States is about 15 years. 15 years. Imagine being on death row for 15 fucking years, knowing that any day you could die. Um, and what's even more shocking is 40% of these inmates on death row have passed the 20 year mark, two decades, you know, after being told that they're going to be executed and having to wait two decades for your execution. Again, it doesn't sit right with me. And I understand we could name out all these horrible, heinous crimes from rape to murder to child molesting. And we could do that. And we know how morally corrupt that is. We know that. And we can understand that. And I guess, you know, when you hear it, of course, it's an overwhelming feeling of anger, isn't it? You know, like how dare someone do that? But at the same time, I just feel like we have to lose some of our humanity when we, you know, it's like you don't fight fire with fire, do you? You know, at least not for me. And I know it is a, a thing that splits a lot of people down the middle. But the death penalty for me it is something that I don't think will ever sit sit right in my spirit. Um, and then, of course, you have all these fucking, these inmates on death row being, just becoming violently ill, you know? Like the shit that that does to your head like um and like because I mean like for these death row inmates they have you know between showering exercise routine checks and the occasional visitor like death row inmates like typically in the states will receive about an average of one hour out of their cell per day you know so unless they're in the shell in the cell or showering or in the prison exercise yard they always have handcuffs on you know um and like the, I'm looking at statistics here, but the death row cells are usually only eight by 10 feet. And this includes their bed, a toilet, a sink. And if an inmate is lucky, they'll also have a desk and a chair shoved into that tiny space. Like imagine having all that shoved into a windowless cell that's approximately the size of your bathroom, you know, if you're lucky. You're locked in there for 23 hours per day and waiting 20 plus years to be fucking executed. Like I feel like that is a punishment. That no human should inflict on another human. Because when you start acting. You know like. I, I don't see a difference. Between the people. You know. Making someone another human live in these conditions. And then you know to, to put them into a fucking gas chamber. And end their life. I don't see the difference between that. And between the person who committed whatever horrible crime they did to get there in the first first place. It just doesn't make sense to me, you know? Why would you meet an act of evil with another act of evil? You know, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, something is just not clicking at all. And the amount of deaths, you know, that will actually happen 
Um, like according to this website now 25% of people on death row will will die without having their sentence carried out and the most common cause of this death is by suicide or by severe mental and um, mental and physical degradation for being you know locked up in these places for 23 hours a day you know for for 20 plus years waiting to fucking die you know so they actually have a, a medical term and it's called death row syndrome and it's a mental health condition that only afflicts people who are sentenced to the death penalty. You know, and of course, this is going to be psychologically debilitating um, and mentally. Like, of course, it is. We've just talked about the living conditions there. Do you know? I mean, like not even a fucking window. Give me a break. Like every state has different guidelines, but it's not unusual for prisoner checks, right, to occur once or twice per hour, every hour for the entire death row imprisonment. So in California, for example... Anyone in any type of isolation, including death row inmates, is checked 48 times per day. So this is twice hourly prison checks, often involving, you know, loud clanging fucking keys, bars, loud voices, lights. So in other words, the prisoners are like, you know, prevented from sleeping for more than 30 minutes at a time. Which, of course, hello, is going to drive anyone fucking crazy that, you know, that severe sleep deprivation. And like with the average prisoner spending at least 15 years on death row, can you imagine what it would feel like to be constantly sleep deprived for 15 fucking years? I'm sure a lot of you up there are kids will be like, well, we have been doing it, you know, nonstop. Um, but still, like for me, this is just, it's it's just fucking crazy, you know? And the thing is as well, with executions, they're always not 100%, like they can be botched. Like if a prisoner makes it, you know, all the way to execution day without mentally... Uh, becoming mentally unstable or getting seriously physically ill or being killed by another inmate or suicide like they still have to like deal with the risk that something could go wrong you know it's not a perfect science you know obviously lethal injection became the primary method of execution um, in an attempt to make the process more and I use heavy air quotations humane and um, it doesn't always go according to plan and they have a case study here was an example that happened in Arizona when Joseph Wood had received 15 injections during a two-hour time period before he finally died. In most cases, death occurs within 10 minutes and only requires one injection. And then witnesses that day reported that Wood suffered throughout the ordeal. I know a lot of you are going to be sitting there and being like, well, right, he should have suffered. He should have suffered. But at one point, you have to ask yourself, where's the humanity in that? Why meat, evil with evil? White meat, bad with bad? It just, it doesn't make sense. And what's even worse, okay, not only is death row a terrible place for anybody to live, but not everybody deserves it, you know? In approximately, according again to these statistics, 4.1% of cases of people living on death row are actually innocent. Even worse, more than half of these wrongfully convicted individuals die before they get exonerated. So it may not sound like much, but it adds up to the death penalty states executing an estimated 200 innocent people since 1973. 200 innocent people, it doesn't sound like much, but one innocent person is too much. You know, one once you did it to the one innocent person, that was already too much for me, do you know? So that's an average of four point four and a half annual deaths that are completely unjustified. 4.4 people, you know, living this life, living this torture, who are innocent of those crimes. And you best believe the amount of people of colour, the amount of um, African-Americans that they have locked up there, you know, wrongfully. And not only that, but, you know, with small charges given absolutely ridiculous amounts of time. The prison system, especially in the States and back here at home, it is incredibly fucked up. You know, it is absolutely incredibly fucked up. So I was actually able to find a very interesting um, time frame to put yourself in the position of what actually goes on if you are being executed. Um, and it is, it's, it is tough to hear, but again, it is very morbidly interesting. So at 8pm, you're going to drive to the death house. So the day before the execution, the prisoner is moved from their cell on death row to the place of execution known as the death house. At 8pm, the preparations begin. The prisoner is handcuffed and thoroughly searched. Officers aren't only looking for weapons they could harm other people with. Guards also want to make sure they have nothing they could use to take their own life. 
Then the route to the dead house also has to be incredibly carefully planned. It can't be straightforward as one of the biggest risks is that the police van could be ambushed and the prisoner freed. The journey will be the best if not the only chance the prisoner will have had to escape since they were jailed. Okay, we'll look into that. Officers have taken prisoners from death row to the death house uh, and say the journey is always a very solemn one. One guard said, we all know where we're going and why. When the prisoner arrives at the dead house, they are taken from the car into the building. It will be the last time they will ever see daylight. 9pm, last night's sleep. The prisoner is now inside the death house and they will be constantly watched until the time of their execution. Guards are aware this is the time where many prisoners are desperate to take their own life. Inmates in the death house have their own private cells containing a bed, a shower and a toilet. The cells are close to the execution chamber. Then comes the time for the prisoner to try and get some sleep on their on their last night alive. Many are unable to rest and use their time to reflect on their own lives. I'm sorry, but how fucked up is that? Thinking of any person, any person, no matter what they did, having to sit there and try to get a good night's sleep, knowing that tomorrow they die. Mm-mm, it don't sit right with me. 4.30 a.m. Final wake-up call. Most prisoners on their final day alive are woken up first thing in the morning at 4.30 a.m. Hello, are you for real? You're going to fucking kill me, which isn't bad enough. You're going to wake me up at 4.30 a.m. You know? <laughs> when does the good night's sleep come into it? Um, this is to get... Okay, sorry, back to the solemn, back to the solemn. This is to give time for any last minute petitions for a stay of execution or other legal issues to be resolved. From this time, prisoners can spend time with their loved ones and their family. They can also speak to the chaplain. There is always a desk in the cell, so some prisoners use this time to write down their thoughts. Inmates are allowed to make several final phone calls. They have to write down the telephone numbers of anyone they want to contact. A guard then a guard then dials the numbers for the prisoner who can say their last goodbyes. 8am. All visitors banned from now on. From 8am, the only people the prisoner will come into contact with until they are executed are going to be the chaplain and the guards. No more visitors are allowed. The chaplain in the death house say condemned men and women often tell them how afraid they are to die. Some write letters talk about their lives and others even sing songs. 8am. Death chamber equipment tested. Staff in the execution chamber now have to test the equipment that will be used to end the prisoner's life. Straps on the gurney are tested to make sure they can hold the prisoner and they check the phone linking the chamber to the government's office is working in case there is a last minute reprieve. If an electric chair is to be used, all electric components are tested. 10.30am, final lunch. Despite it still being the morning, the prisoner has now been awake for six hours and it's lunchtime. They're, this is not the condemned man or woman's last meal and they are given simple prison food. Despite this, it will be one of the first meals they have eaten in private for decades. Then, all they have to do is wait to die. Ugh. I don't like this. 3pm, head shave for electric chair. If a prisoner is being executed by electric chair, now is the time they will usually have their head shaved. This is so the electrical current can pass easily through the inmate's body. The condemned man or woman can then spend more time with the chaplain. 3.30pm, dressing for execution. The only thing the prisoner is given when they enter the death house is a new prison uniform. This is smarter than their usual prison clothes. But before they can put their death uniform on, all prisoners must have a shower. 4pm, the final meal. Prisoners are allowed to write down what they would like for their final meal. But unlike the urban myths, there is a budget for how much can be spent. With some states allowing those about to be executed just $15 for their last meal. And a 15 fucking dollars for your last fucking meal. Like, come on, what are you going to get with that? You'll, do you know what you'll get with $15? You'll get a miserable fucking timble full of dal is what you'll fucking get for $15. A prisoner's final meal is usually the first food they have been able to choose for the two decades they've been on death row. 
There have been some unusual requests for final meals. Serial killer Ted Bundy ordered a steak cooked medium rare, fried eggs, hash browns, toast with butter and jam, all washed down with orange juice and milk. The Oklahoma bomber, Timothy McVeigh, ordered two pints of mint chalk chip ice cream. Murderer Victor Figor ordered a single olive with the pit left in for his last meal. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, but like who is getting executed? Kate Moss <laughs> with a single olive? Um, I'm sorry, solemn. Because this is not funny. I mean, yes, okay, sometimes it is funny. But at the same time, like, this is serious and prison reform is something that we should seriously, you know, it should be something that plays on our minds. While serial killer John Wayne Gacy ordered 12 fried shrimp, a bucket of original recipe KFC, French fries and a pound of strawberries. I'd be strawberries and champagne. 5pm, execution witnesses arrive. These can be journalists, members of the victim's family, the condemned loved ones or total strangers. They are told to be as quiet as possible as they make their way into the witness chamber. Well, the whole thing there about the strangers, the strangers are allowed in. Like, can people just buy tickets for this or walk in off the fucking street or what? Because the last thing I need is to see some cunt that I despise looking through the fucking glass at me as they're about to shock the bollocks off me. Absolutely not into that. And what kind of sickle, what kind of sycophant goes to see that when they're not even related to the person. I don't know. Um, 6pm to 8pm, the last walk. Times vary for executions from state to state, but they are almost always carried out in the early evening. The prisoner has to make the short walk from their cell in the death house to the execution chamber. It may only be a few steps, but this is the longest walk they will ever do. Oh, I actually kind of... Oh, I got a little teary. Well, not teary. You know, but it was, a, it was an inner cry, but I, I did feel something there. Most manage the few feet on their own, but they are still normally flanked up by up to five guards. Almost all by now have accepted their fate. They know they are going to die and there will be no last minute reprieve. But as soon as they walk into the execution chamber, the first thing a prisoner's eyes slip to is the gurney or the electric chair. 15 minutes before. The lethal injection is now prepared. Doctors will not attend executions because it's against their code of conduct. So a specialist team is now in place to administer the fatal job. Minutes before. The curtains between the execution chamber and the witness room are now drawn and those condemned to die are given time to make their final statements. But not all states allow long or any time at all. Kentucky grants two minutes, while Pennsylvania only allows inmates a written statement. The time for talking is done. Oh, well, I would you catch me. Catch me. You know, if they're giving me time to talk. Like, <laughs> I hope they got time. <laughs> because I'm going to be living a long life. <laughs> um, again, not funny. Bring it back. Um, time of execution. The chaplain lays their hand on the prisoner. And their life has ended. That is deep. It is deep. It is deep. And that is what's going on. And you know what? Like you might say whatever. You might still be conflicted either way about the death penalty. You might think it's a gross misuse. You may think that it's 100% right. But it still is interesting to hear. Or to almost kind of like walk through the 24 hours of being in that position. Because so often we do not put ourselves in the position of others we we often lack you know the ability to perceive life you know through someone else's experience and when we start doing that our mind significantly i believe expands and our vibrations increase you know and i mean look from listening to this you know i've always been kind of i think i've always been anti-death penalty and anti-prism prison system because the system is clearly broken you can't you can't fuck people in there like animals. And I hate saying like animals because animals shouldn't be mistreated either. But it's the turn of phrase we have. Um, and then expect them to come out walk with people. No, it has to be about rehabilitation, people. It has to be. Um, 
I know I'm sorry to end the podcast because you know what it always happens where we start off we're having a good time like I said I haven't talked to anyone in a whole fucking oh god I don't know how long outside of this house and I know and then when we finish we finish the episode on like the 24 hours of a debt row inmate I know it is hard it is it's hard but it's interesting and it is something that I think we need to talk about and it's something that we need to try, try and like, you know, put ourselves in that position. Um, and you can let me know. You can let me know. You know where to hit me up. Okay. You know where to, I'm going to sort out um, an email address for this podcast as well. So we can start getting in more listener mail um, through that instead of going to Instagram. But let me know how this is taken. Like, has this influenced you at all? You know, are you still dead in the middle? Are you kind of veering a bit on your thoughts on the death penalty? Do let me know. Okay. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Take care of yourselves. I know, as you can see, I'm fucking cracked up um, with this whole lockdown. Take care of yourselves. I will be here every Wednesday with some sort of release, even if it's to bum you out with a, with a debt roll conversation. But until next time, I am Adam O'Reilly for the Mind Poppers podcast. Stay woke and stay out of jail. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.